And we are back 32 minutes after 11 o'clock, our Miller Joy Coffee time. My pleasure to welcome back to the show, Richard A. Barry, Barry's Garden Center. How you doing, sir? Jeff, good morning to you. Happy to have you back. And uh, again, uh, last week we were talking about, we thought uh, weather was going to be pretty solid. Uh, did we get the rain we were hoping for Saturday after I, I, encouraging I, folks I, to as, fertilize? As far as I'm concerned, we did. And um, um and the ground's still wet, so you can still fertilize. You know, it's kind of worked out. You know, the the ground kind of got wet, so it's pretty saturated. And we've kind of missed these other ones that we really don't need that much of. But if we got a little bit, it wouldn't hurt. But, no, if you haven't fertilized, you can still go ahead and fertilize. And, I, and I, you know, I recommend it if you're going to uh, – if you haven't fertilized your grass, which was a smart decision, uh, go ahead and do it now. Uh, you can still do the weed and feeds. Um and you could do the straight lawn food. You know, we, t- we kind of talk about it all the time. If you have some liquid weed killers, it's always a good idea to spray. And then a few days later, put down your fertilizer. The weeds aren't picking up the fertilizer. And you get the best of both worlds. That's ideal. But you could also do the weed and feed. If you say, I want to do it all at once, that's fine. And, and you're not too late. And, uh, and the ground's wet, so you're in good shape. If for some reason you put it down now and it hadn't rained in three or four days, you may have to just kind of water it in lightly. But the fact that the ground is wet will um, kind of lessen the effects of the potential of, of burning. Gotcha, gotcha. What else are you keeping an eye on today? Well, uh, again, the, uh, the weather has kind of cooperated this week. You know, we're getting kind of uh, really, it gets kind of like yesterday, kind of got really, look like it's getting really a lot of rain late in the day. And so, and today's kind of the same thing. I think it's going to be sunny this afternoon. And uh, so I think we're going to be okay in terms of, uh, dodging a just an entirely washout week, which it had the potential of doing, so uh, we've been kind of kind of very fortunate. So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, vegetables right now, and I want to talk about uh, a cantaloupe that has kind of taken over the uh, the planting market over the last five years. One called ambrosia, and now's the time to direct seed. You know, people think we're too late with you know. Uh, cantaloupe and cucumbers and melons and squash and all that uh not at all they they do they 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 perform much much better as temperatures especially night temperatures warm up and uh they'll come up faster and and okra is the same way uh so you're not too late at all but the the variety of cantaloupe that's really outstanding is one called ambrosia and uh the go-to cantaloupe used to be one called hail's best uh which is a very good cantaloupe it's still a very good cantaloupe but if you've if you've ever planted ambrosia, I've never seen one person come back and said, "Now nah, I want to try something else this year. It's that good. And what makes it good is that it's consistently sweet, and it seems to be as consistent. Even though, you know, the, the, the things that affect cantaloupe and watermelon the most is that, you know, at, at the time of harvest or a, or, or a few weeks right before harvest, we start to get a lot of rain. And what, what happens there is that the melons fill up with water, and therefore, just like with sugarcane, it lessens the amount of uh, sugar uh, that you're going to taste in it. It dilutes the sugar in the melon. So that's when you start to get these, these uh, melons that maybe aren't as sweet as what you're used to. It's mainly because of that moisture. Uh, you get a lot of great melons coming out of West Texas where the soil is really sandy. Don't get a lot of rain, but when they do get rain, the water goes right through it. So it's much more consistent melons coming out of those mm. areas because of the soil. And um, so down here with these people doing these raised beds, it's really somewhat easier 
to kind of uh, lessen the potential of just this, these melons filling out with, with moisture. And therefore, uh, we used to get some inconsistency. With the ambrosia cantaloupe, it's even when we get a lot of rain, they're still very, very sweet. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's the selling point with, with the ambrosia, is that the consistency, consistency of the sweetness of the melon itself. And, uh, and they are very, very sweet. And so if you've been planting the Hale's Best cantaloupe and you want to try something different, I think it's worth the while. New hybrid, been out about five years, and, and people love it. The, uh, the other kind of new hybrid when it comes to tomato plants is one called uh, Red Snapper. It is a normal size tomato, tomato, not a huge one, but not a cherry, uh, about the size of a better boy um, or, or a celebrity. And this is a, the newest one that's more heat tolerant and more virus resistant. You know how we always talk about these numbered varieties that come out of the University of Florida, 444s and 640s and, and 589s. They are newer hybrids that have been developed to take more of the issues that are coming on, and, and, and some of us directly due to climate change, but we're just getting a lot warmer earlier and lasting longer. And the red snapper is in that category. I'm not sure where it was developed, but it is a, uh, it's, a, it's a good one to try. And like we tell people, when it comes to planting tomatoes, uh, you always want to mix your varieties. You can lean toward maybe the, the uh, you know, more uh, heat-tolerant and virus-resistant varieties, but you still want to mix your varieties because every year is different. So if you're planting 10 tomatoes, you know, you might plant three celebrities, you know, three red snappers, maybe uh, a, a couple of the, uh, the numbered varieties. If you want to try a, a couple of the old heirloom varieties, you can do that too. Um, but you do want to mix them up. But red snapper is one There's, uh, you know, I know nothing about it in terms of, you know, actual how, you know, my customers will come back every year and say, hey, this one did great, this one did bad. And uh, so we really don't know anything because the first year it's out. But I think it's worth a try. Uh, if you if you haven't planted all of them, or you're trying to replace a few, as it comes to uh, replacing uh, uh, your vegetables right now, Jeff, you're in good shape. Uh, uh, temperatures are mild, temperatures are overcast. So if you're going to do any transplant, you want to do it within the next three or four days, and that'll help you a lot in terms of uh, the success of the transplant. The um, um, uh, you know the the cool weather, the the uh, overcast days really lessens the stress on it. You can still plant as temperatures get high. We'll have vegetables through the middle of May, but the bottom line would be uh, the sooner you get them in, the the, the better you're going to be in terms of production and just survivability uh, due to some of the varmints and critters and insects and fungus that are going to be there. Uh, staying on vegetables, we really want to uh, uh, spray the vegetables with fungicides. We talked about it last week, Jeff, but it's really critical when we get to these days that the the you know we get in this like this morning you just missed it yeah, uh, yeah. in the morning so that means these leaves are going to stay wet it's overcast if we if that happened during the night you know that is the prime uh environment for uh these uh this bacteria to multiply and, and cause problems so it's really important that you that you hit them you know uh, even even like yesterday, it was overcast all day, Jeff. And I don't know if we've ever got any rain yesterday. I, I don't recall it. I, I don't think we did. But, boy, it sure seemed like it was going to rain. And it would have been smart to go ahead and, and spray those uh, uh, vegetables with a fungicide just to get them through the next week or so. And if you had done that, uh, even if it would have rained four or five hours later, you would have been in good shape. It would have helped you tremendously to slow it down. We're starting to see a little bit uh, uh, 
black spot on, uh, not black spot, but yellowing with the uh, spots on it on some of the tomatoes and some of the cucumbers. And that's, that's the, the, the sign of that, that fungus is out there, which doesn't surprise me at all. And so uh, doing that actually helps you a lot more than spraying for the insects, which, which you need to watch for. But with the insects, I always say, uh, you know, you can only spray once the bugs are there. It's really, there's no preventative for the bugs. There is a drench you can drench when you first plant, but fundamentally you have to spray when the insect exists. Whereas fungus is different. You can actually spray to prevent it because you really don't see the fungus. It's not there. It's not making holes and leaves. And all of a sudden you see this, you know, uh, the the mottling and the yellowing of the leaves and, and then you're trying to control it. So stay ahead of it. It'll get on everything. Uh, uh, cucumbers, uh, tomatoes, the the uh, the peppers, especially when they're young. People come back and say the leaves are spotting, they're dropping leaves. That's fungus, and uh, and and so the, the, I guess the the biggest one I can think of off the top of my head that doesn't affect that much would be corn, and corn just pretty resilient and uh, and and really really not so much of a, a problem with the corn. So overall, I think uh, ever since that that kind of frost we had maybe three or four weeks ago uh people have been replanting and uh uh like cucumber plants we have plants now but you can direct seed now so uh either way they'll it'll work out good switching now a little bit to uh some some uh, uh different unique uh new new color plants that we have in the uh in the in the garden this year is uh one that we've been selling a lot of is it's a spirea and spireas come in different sizes and different colors but this is one where the leaves are solid yellow and the new growth is kind of bronze and it makes this little red flower in the summertime what i like about this spirea is that it's uh it's an aggressive grower but it only stays around two two and a half feet tall so a lot of times uh, some of the spireas are getting much much bigger than that but this one has a a, the, the, all the leaves, once the, the uh, new growth, the bronze stuff turns solid colors, it's going to be solid yellow, short. So it's a great little mass planter or a great little accent within a garden. And it's called candy corn is the, uh, is the name of it because it has that yellow and, then okay. the, red, and the red tint. And uh, really pretty. It's been very popular only because it's very unique. And uh, we just don't find a good, fast-growing, hardy one that stays short and so this one can be utilized as a short plant uh you know within the uh within the landscape the other thing that i want to just mention is that leaf color is a always a big deal and kind of underutilized when it comes to bedding plants uh you know people always say i want color and you know i'll show them the leaf color and say no no i want flowers which is good i get that uh but boy utilizing leaf color within the landscape makes a big difference in terms of uh, the visual and the the most popular leaf color one is caladiums, and uh, we talked about it earlier. There's going to be a shortage of caladiums this year because of the two hurricanes that hit South Florida. Oh, yeah. So I'd say about ninety uh, percent of the caladium plants and bulbs, or not the plants, but the caladium bulbs, come out of South Florida. Those two hurricanes, it wasn't the wind that got them; it was the rain, and they flooded, and so they stayed wet, and so seventy percent of the crop was lost which to me tells me it's going to be a several-year deal. They're going to have to catch up uh, over several years. So this year, normally, Jeff, you know, we've been getting caladium bulbs for 40 years. There was zero. No retailer got any caladiums. The growers only got 20% of what they grew. So it's going to be a shortage of caladiums. Uh, and caladiums, just for the listeners, that's that big leafy plant. Some people call it elephant ear plant, but it's much smaller. 
but it has the reds, the pinks, the whites, and real popular. Get about 18 to 24 inches tall, depending on variety. And real popular, especially in shade, but there's some varieties that grow in sun. But you have alternates uh, when it comes to that. And the biggest one is going to be coleus. Coleus is a beautiful uh, uh, leafy plant. Uh, has many, many colors, reds, yellows, uh, purples, uh, and mixtures thereof, and spotted. The biggest difference between the caladium and the coleus is that the coleus will have smaller leaves, and the claims has much bigger leaves. Although there are certain certain varieties of coleus that do have big leaves, and that's called uh, the Kong coleus, and they'll have it's a series. Those have to be in shade, which some of the smaller leaf varieties can grow in full sun or full shade. Uh, they grow very, very fast. Uh, they don't come back. Like a caladium will die back, and usually the bulb will come back. But just temporarily, if you can't find the claims you want, consider coleus. They get a little bit taller than a caladium. They may get about six or eight inches taller than a caladium. But you can pinch them back and keep them low and full. And there are certain varieties of coleus uh, that will kind of stay shorter. Uh, but in general, you can figure 18 to 30 inches when it comes to coleus. But you can pinch them to keep them to about two feet. But they do, they do, they grow very fast as temperatures warm up, easy to plant, and will tolerate sun and shade depending on variety with no problem, which is kind of different from the, uh, the coleus. Uh, another uh, very, very popular plant that will envelop a large area and grow very fast is uh, the sweet potato vine. And it is, the, uh, it is culls of the sweet potatoes that people plant that they developed into different colorations. And the sweet potato will have the most popular one is a lime green, light green, uh, yellowish color. Uh, there's also some purple colors. There's some that kind of have a um, bronzy type look. And there's another variation of those three together. They also have different leaf shapes also. I love how they spread. Exactly. That, yeah. is, that is the big advantage of the sweet potato uh, vines is that they can cover a big area. So a lot of, sometimes a, a person has a big area under a tree. They're trying to draw attention to it. They don't want to go out there and either spend a lot of money or plant all these individuals in patience. Great one. And uh, to fill out really, really good. If you're really, really patient and wait long enough, many times they'll come up. They'll actually make the sweet potato itself. Uh, in underground, people notice that. They're going to say, man, Richard, what is this? And I said, that's a sweet potato you planted. Really not edible, not poisonous, but not as good as a sweet potato okay. you However, uh, you know, a lot of times when the ground warms up late in the spring, uh, late April, I May, never even thought to uh, check that out. Oh, yeah. Usually there is something down there, and depending on how well, how good the gr- ground was will determine uh, how big it is. But they are, they are trailing plants. They don't vine up, but they spread on the ground. Uh, they're great for containers. And what we just do is we warn people, say, look, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll go to a house, Jeff, and they have this sweet potato vine that's in a container in the front porch, and it's literally enveloped the whole porch. And we say, no, you don't have to do that. You can cut them. You just take a pair of scissors and just cut them as they grow, and you can maintain them very, very easily. I get it. If, you, if, if it's in the ground out in the yard, you're not going to go out there and cut it off. But in a container – Usually it's on a patio or on the front porch. You can clip that and very easily maintain it. But you'll probably have to do it once a week uh, as the summer goes on because mm. they grow that, that fast. But uh, they'll, they'll hang and they'll grow. So they'll grow up, but they do certainly spread and hang out of, out of a container and, again, give you uh, a, a really splash of color and kind of draw attention to the area very easily, strictly to the leaves, 
with uh, less of ex- less of expense. And, and the good thing about it is that uh, you know a lot of times, Jeff, you'll plant a plant such as that that grows very very fast and it develops. And man, they come back in five years and say, Richard, how do I get rid of this thing because it's overtaking my yard? So these you do have to replant every year. But in a way, it's good. It's good because it grows so rapidly, so fast that it kind of it kind of limits that that situation where this thing is now taking over. You know, people will plant wisteria, which is a very fast growing vine, uh, and if you plant that sucking wrong, it'll grow fifty feet, and it comes back every year. So it dies back in the winter, but then it grows. So maybe the first year it grew twenty feet, the next year it grows forty feet, the next grow, next year it grows fifty feet. But when you cut it back out that third year, it's growing fifty feet in one year. So it can be an issue because it starts to vine into everything. These aren't that, and, and, and part of it is because it, uh, it kind of spreads along the ground, and, in, and the fact that it dies back is a benefit and will, will help a lot. Another good one is one called Joseph's Coat, and it is a, uh, it's, a, it's an annual. It only stays about 12, 12 to 18 inches tall. comes in different colors. Again, one of the colors is yellow. has a much smaller leaf. One of the colors is yellow, they have burgundy, and they have a kind of a reddish one. We see this a lot used on borders. Some people want to have a border plant uh, that they kind of surround their planting, and this is a great one for that because it stays short. The leaf color, it draws attention, and you just kind of do it on the edge of your, uh, of your plantings. And just keep in mind, it'll get about 12 to 18 inches tall, but it's easy to cut it and keep it to about 12 inches, and then you put plants behind it. I've seen it utilized uh, both ways. I've seen it utilized strictly as a mass planting where it's all just that solid color in the whole bed or most what I see it as as a as an edging plant. And then you plant something that's going to get a little bit taller behind it. And usually that's a, a flowering plant and it could be uh, anything. These are grown in more sun than shade. Uh, they they're very hardy. They're going to freeze, though, but they're very hardy in terms of the growth and, and very, you know, I just have never seen, you know, a lot of resistance to, uh, uh, I haven't seen it uh, have problems with fungus. So it's very resistant to uh, any fungus issues. And so it's really, a, really, a, really a hardy, fast-growing plant that'll get you where you want to get to uh, quickly in early summer. And it's not too, plant, not too late to plant any of this and with no problem. The last one I want to mention in the in the seasonal color plants that people have been looking for and happens every year, so I, I've always expected is, you know, the vinca we talk about. Vinca or periwinkle is when you want to plant late. And then one is uh, uh, vinca is, gets around 12 to 15 inches tall, hardy, loves the sun, loves the heat, can, can take the abuse. And uh, it kind of the flower somewhat looks like a impatient, but not really, a little bit bigger, but, but kind of similar in terms of shape. Uh, but, uh, again, can take the heat and abuse. But there's a new one that's been out about 10 years called Trailing Vinca, and that one has just started to come in, and, 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 and a lot of the reason is because we got that late freeze or frost that uh, sets some of the plants back, and so they're just starting to come back in. But it's not too late to plant any of that because, again, the warmer it is, the better they do. And so the difference between the upright vinca and the trailing vinca, the upright vinca will get about 12 to 15 inches tall, stays upright, blooms all summer long. You space those about 10, 12 inches apart. The trailing vinca is one that only gets about 4 inches tall but actually actually trails on the ground. doesn't cover that big of an area, so it's not like a ground cover. Uh, but it's great to utilize in containers. Are in uh, are in a bed amongst other plants. 
uh, something that you want to stay low because it's only going to get about four inches tall. But but it'll vine and spread can take the abuse. Has a bigger flower than some of the other type of uh, maybe about an inch across, but it just has a lot of them. And uh, so it's a neat one, does well, and uh, they're really just starting to come in uh, at uh, at a solid pace. One want to uh, mention one other thing. Uh, uh, Jeff and and there was a, someone brought a leaf of an azalea, which is uh, very common. I see it most every year, but we we see it this year. Uh, it looks this leaf looks like it's uh, it's it's deformed. It looks like a gall that's on the leaf itself. And they had a little article on it in the newspaper uh, four or five days ago. And uh, it is something that looks horrendous. And uh, I mean, and you'll get maybe four or five leaves on it and say, oh, my God, what is this? And uh, it looks like a deformity on the leaf. And it's called leaf gall. Uh, it's very common when, when nighttime temperatures uh, get cool, a little moisture, and then it kind of warms up during the day. And so I guess the temperature and everything has just been perfect. Good news that it won't hurt the plant is that if you give it about another week or two, you won't see it at all. It's not going to spread that much, but it's really not going to do anything to uh, to hurt the plant at all. But will uh, will go away on its own. So that's that's one. And the other one we want to look for that we'll see probably in about three or four weeks is um, it's uh, some spores that go on the grass, and the grass will turn. Looks like somebody put oil on a patch. I mean, they will come in and say, "Richard, what is this?" And it, it and and then if you if you go hit it with your finger. The, all these spores will fly out of it. And that's another one that it looks bad, but it's going to go away on its own, and it really doesn't create a problem. And and if the temperatures are right, and last year they were, we'll see that in the month of May. Uh, if we get enough moisture during the night, whether it be fog or, or moisture, and then um, the daytime temperatures warm up, we'll see these these areas that have this. It just looks like somebody spilled oil on it. And uh, if they go hit it with their finger, they'll see these spores fly. Or they walk through it, they'll see the spores fly. And it really scares people because it looks bad, but it's really going to be a non-issue. You can spray for it if you want, but it's, it's really a non-issue. Gotcha. Anything else? Jeff, I think that's it. And uh, I think the weekend's going to be halfway decent. Uh, you know, good chance rain Saturday. But I think it's early. I think it's like Saturday morning. I'm not as optimistic. Okay, I'm going with my prediction. Sunday's looking nice. Sunday's looking nice. Sunday's I'm saying Saturday's going to be beautiful. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Let's get some traffic going. That's right. Anyway, anything uh, new at the, the store? Uh, that's it, Jeff. We, uh, we, we're, fu- we're filled up at this point. So we're ready to go, and, uh, and we've been very, very busy. Real good. Richard, always a pleasure. Thank you, Jeff.